Welcome to Politically Pissed, another minority thing being ripped off by mediocre white people. Welcome to Politically Pissed. My name is Saeed Charbini, and I'm here with my co-hosts Katya and Ayers. Say hey. hi. What's good? And uh, we have a special guest today, Mr. Robert Rodriguez. Go ahead and say hi. Senator Rod. Senator Robert Rodriguez. Hello, all. Well, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. We wanted to start today with talking to you a little bit about how you got involved with politics here in Colorado. So, grew up in Colorado. My family moved here. In 1975, I was seven years old. My father got involved with politics when I was a young kid and had ran a lot of campaigns. And I was walking the streets of Commerce City delivering lit and working on some other campaigns across the city and the movements in the the 80s. And once I turned 18, I was like, you can't make me do this anymore. So I took a little break. (laughs) (laughs) I took a little break. I, I emancipated myself in it. And then... You know, once I uh, settled down with my wife and we moved into uh, our home in Denver in 1995, I got back involved more in depth. I mean, I've always stayed active in the party politics and been a PCP and doing the, the work of helping get officers elected and getting people out to vote. Been involved in the party, I think, about, uh, I was going to say about 10, 12 years ago, I got involved with uh, a couple races again. Mm-hmm. Me and my wife had mellowed out and I didn't stay I didn't get as actively and I started decided to get back involved again and I became a captain in my district and I actually lived in that district with you a little you, bit you lived, remember, in my, uh, you lived in my district I, for, I went to go look up to be PCP because usually they're empty and sure enough there was your name yeah, yeah I you know I remember wife. I remember you came up to me and said hey I'm P- I live in your precinct and I was like oh I need your vote. <laughs> <laughs> but I moved out before I had you, the you did. To give you that, but yeah. you were very supportive throughout yeah. the process, and you were a good neighbor, bringing, bringing me food and inviting me to your yeah. your your home your uh, roommates we going away it. party. We enjoyed it. Um, you had a going away party for your roommate. Well, he wasn't your roommate. It was Kyle? No, it was a different friend. Or Ryan. Something. Yeah. Ryan. Yeah. 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 That's right. That would be very odd if you had a going away. Party. No, no. no. Um, well, there yeah. was a lot of people there. I wasn't sure who most I of them were. I just remember every time Rob came over, he was always like, there's so much weed here. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen this since I was a teenager. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that was a lot of fun. And cut here. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so I lived on the street from you. We're in the same district. Can you tell us what district that is that you represent now? Uh, Senate District 32. It's primarily south and southwest Denver. Basic borders are Hampton and Sheridan. Hampton to Colorado Boulevard, basically up to 6th Avenue. So how was it transitioning into being an elected official? What is it actually like to start legislating? Well, you know, it was an interesting first week. You know, a lot of pomp and circumstance. It was very honoring. It, it, it really hit me hard on the floor when we were being sworn in and they were doing, you know, the singers were there and I was like, oh my God, I'm here. Uh, who knew? What were the voters thinking? I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> But you know, it's a humbling experience. I've it was it was very exciting. It was it was I, I made a joke last week because the first week was mostly ceremonial. You know, swearing in, going to sit down, come in for a half hour. They excuse you. You go listen to a swearing in. You go hear a speech, and you're done for the day. 
I was like, man, I'm overpaid. <laughs> this is a lot easier than I thought. But that changed this week. Yeah. As, as Bill, it's our first day of the week. We had the holiday for MLK, but our first day of the week, we got out of session on a bill that was a hard-fought bill on the floor. The, the Republicans brought up like 13 or 14 amendments trying to change it. What was the bill? It was a bill that Senator Zenzinger brought up to correct some language from last year regarding uh, education opportunities for foster children. Okay. And the Republicans last year had put an amendment on it that said that it kind of became a charter choice amendment that let them go to any district that they wanted to, and it was a big fight over that, which it's going through the courts now because there was an argument that it, it, would, it violated the single wording law, so it hadn't oh, been wow. decided. So it was an interesting fight for my first day, and that day I was, I was like, okay, I what might be I might that? be underpaid. This was on the Senate floor. Oh, this was on the floor. It was oh, on okay. the floor. We we met, and they kept doing amendments up until we had to stop at one thirty to pause to go to our committees, <laughs> and then upon committees we had to return. And one a couple of the committees took quite a while, and we didn't get back together until about seven ish, and wow. that was about another hour. Uh-huh. Rob, you mentioned the holiday, and so I have to ask one of your colleagues in the lower house made a comment about lynchings on the lead-up to MLK. Any comments regarding? Lori Zane. I read a little of the narrative, and I might have to have you let me rehear sure. it, because ours was pretty quiet. And then afterwards, they said all this stuff, and I, this week being what it was, I really haven't sat down and read the whole article. Oh, I know they said that Do something you want, about. I'll give you the highlights. Okay. You want all the right. mug shot? So, <laughs> I, I saw the pictures. I'm familiar Republican with state uh, representative from Weld County. Lori Sane. Lori, Lori Sane, Sane. And someone else, I think there was someone else that was on the radar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, claimed blacks and white Republicans were lynched in, quote, nearly equal numbers following Reconstruction. Uh, she made this statement chastising sponsors of a resolution for the honoring of Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Considering at the time the Republicans were the party of Lincoln and the ones that won the war, I don't know how they were lynched in the South like that. But uh, it was it war. was interesting because as that was going on, and a little bit of history is like maybe they were considering the whites the Indians because there were a lot of, <laughs> those were a lot of massacres going on maybe. during those days. So because they kept bringing up Lincoln. During well, MLK, and she also which I was like that's quite a bit of time difference, right? Well, and she also alleged that fellow lawmakers told her her skin color was the reason she couldn't introduce a resolution herself honoring Dr. King. These are some wild accusations. Like, well, also because the NC the NAACP came out and they released the figures for lynchings around that time period, and it says sixty three percent were lynched. Be- uh, seventy three. Oh, seventy three were black who were lynched yes. versus <laughs> yeah so the 73 percent of the lynchings between 1882 and 1968 were of black people they couldn't specify whether they were republican or not but they were black people. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> at, that, guess, depending at on the that point i don't think they could vote so <laughs> i don't think they had an affiliation i think right? that was back when they were considered no, that's three, a fair point three yeah. fifth, three-fifth of the population so yeah. they counted as uh, sad times yeah i mean just how do you how do you plan on dealing with people that think like this in the Capitol? Like you have to work with her. She's a representative, and you're in the Senate, so I mean you won't work directly with her, maybe, but you might have to in the future. Good. On, you know, honestly, um, coming up in politics and growing up and being a Latino or Chicano, growing up in the community and working and advocating for more representation for my community in in 
in uh, elections and getting people activated and getting them. This is nothing new. Experience this all the time. You know, it happens everywhere. Identity politics is very, very deep, regardless of what it's at. And people that work for the stock exchange, you know, that's very important to them. It's like, welcome to identity (laughs) politics. You know, don't, don't mess with my, with my stuff. It's very personal, but (laughs) you know, I learned a long time ago that stuff happens and you know, you sometimes you, you why beat your head against the wall you just uh put your head down move forward and break through it it's really the way you deal with that that's yeah. what i've learned going through this whole process on to policy we can go on to some policy well let's you want to talk about the drug bill then yeah and that's well, that's yeah. your uh flagship that's, one isn't that, it well it's my it's, it's my it's, priority, it's like, my first bill i didn't know it was the yeah. governor's priority till after the fact um you got picked. so you know i i succeeded Senator Irene Aguilar, who was a champion for healthcare causes. And I was during running last year and we had a meeting and I met with her and she was, had to go to her hearing on that. And I went to that hearing when it was the, this bill was going up on on the Senate veterans, state affairs and veterans, basically the Republican kill. Well, I was going to say, isn't that the kill committee? I've heard that. That was, that was the kill committee last year. And I watched that bill. Man, you should not be talking about veterans and kill committee. at the same time. (laughs) I mean, I agree, but that's what they called it. It's the kill committee. That's what it's been referenced as. Um, And I sat there and watched them kill that bill and use some really odd reasons. Just a quick jump in real quick. I want to say we're going to talk about the national popular vote bill later as well, but that one came through that same committee, didn't it? It did, which that bill technically probably belongs in that committee. Does it? Yeah. It's it's a state affair. Okay. (laughs) Actually, he makes a really salient point. (laughs) It's a state affair bill, so it went through state affairs. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, state affairs. State affairs or was it veterans affairs? It's veterans and state affairs is that committee. Oh, okay. Yeah, and they've come out too. So there we go. Okay, but back to it. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk about No, it's okay. So, you know, I watched that bill die for some odd reasons of we need this money for research and development mm-hmm. and not having the conversation of the money that is put into pharmaceuticals in the industry and, mm-hmm. you know, the cost savings to people, which is something that everybody talks about. I heard it all across my campaign and I'm sure statewide it was. And even in the most recent election last year, it was a national topic. So, you know, that bill made sense for my first one and to me it was carrying Irene's work over and having a majority I thought this bill would get a fair hearing and it was my first bill to carry I was hugely surprised on our first day when they announced it as Senate Bill 5 um, you know that <laughs> it's like wow it's like, who, who knew up on the list yeah, yeah and I'm new to this whole process and I, was, I, I and I was like walked out and I'm very lucky to have a co-sponsor who works in healthcare industry, uh, Joanne, Senator Joanne Janal, and in the in the House, that's a prime co-sponsor is uh, Representative Hawkes Lewis, who's a pharmacist which, by trade. So I've I've been very lucky to have knowledgeable people on this guiding us through this process, and we've worked very well together. And I've learned a lot of the whole pharmaceutical industry doing it, and I'm just very excited. The hearing is actually scheduled this Thursday at two thirty. I think the committee starts. I don't know if it what order the bill it's will be. It's the thirty first. I don't know what Thursday. It's just committee. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to. I'd have to get with my aide, aka chief of staff. Hey, <laughs> chief. You know me. But I'm pretty excited about it, and you know it seems so, popular. And the the governor mentioned it in the state of the state. He's carved out some money for it in the budget. You know, that's all very positive things as I'm learning because having to have a balanced budget when something costs money, you, where are you going to cut it from? Where are you going to get it from? And, and, and so I, I'm excited, but 
I take nothing for granted. So can we ask you a couple of specifics about it? Depends on the specifics. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. So the idea is to import drugs from Canada by purchasing from from Canada, correct? Correct. So the basic premise is, and there is a, a clause in the with the FDA that if you can justify to the FDA the cost savings to consumers, that you can and you can do it safely. That you can, if you can bring them in safely at a cost savings, you can ask the FDA for a waiver to promote this program. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of misconceptions are it's going to be every drug, and it's like no. But there's certain drugs that have are up to ninety percent cheaper in Canada mm-hmm. from here. And the reason it's Canada is their safety protocols and the companies who make drugs up there from the pharmaceuticals and here, eighty percent of them are approved by the FDA also. So yeah. it, you know, it's a lot it, of overlap. Yeah, a lot of overlap. Most of the people they get the chemicals from the same place. It's mm-hmm. all the same process. It's just our enormous network of how the pharmaceutical industry works. And then can you tell us real quick, like, a couple of the diseases or something that these pills will be coming for? Like, is there certain, like, ailments that they're focused on right now? Or Well, to me, there's a there's a six or seven. Vermont has passed this law. They passed it last year. I haven't seen their formulary of drugs. It's 17 drugs. And their study shows, and, and obviously it depends. Every state's different in what drugs are needed and, and the savings you can get for it. It's usually your name brand drugs because the generics and stuff are going to be cheaper already and it's yeah. not going to be a huge savings going through that chain it could be it, they they estimated savings from anywhere to one to five million mm-hmm. one that stuck out to me for it it was is the drug harvoni which is the one that's for curing hep c that they've come out with okay we have a big issue with that in in corrections in the prisons and they had a big tag trying to get that drug to use it and the savings from i think the united states estimated it was a thousand here for a dose versus 800 there and I think the last thing I saw was that we were looking at like $15 million to buy that drug. So if you think about a 20% savings, that's like $3 million to, you know. It's pretty for, significant, for, yeah. it, You know, and, and there's a lot of other drugs. Some of the diabetic drugs could be a big thing, and that's a huge issue. Hearing from people and talking about it, people have walked up to me with the cancer stuff that they're like, you know, we had a good job. Both me and my spouse both had six-figure incomes, and yeah. my husband got cancer, and he had to leave his job, and you know, mm-hmm. and it got exhausting for some of the treatments he had to go through at fifteen thousand dollars a treatment. And, yeah. and people on diabetes have talked, and you hear the stories of of, of lower-income people who may bypass taking the drugs. Yeah, the cost of insulin has gone cut, way up. Yeah. C- yeah, insulin has increased drastically over mm-hmm. the years. Uh, the just people cutting their drugs in half. To, to portion them so it's it's an epidemic that's you know reaching ahead and mm-hmm. and their arguments are always like well the federal government needs to let us negotiate prices like and i, and I don't disagree with that but yeah. well, that not like the single inactivity payer single payer or letting them negotiate drugs they don't let allow negotiation of drugs it's kind of there's no so insurance go- companies don't negotiate for drug prices they do on the inside but then okay. there's pass-throughs and all that stuff and then medicaid gets a portion they have to give them a sale medicaid gets a, a, gotcha. a cheaper rates but you know there's not a lot of ability for negotiation going on the front end and you know that's and everybody agrees that but just like anything else federal doesn't do anything because of the influence and the and the nobody knows what it is yeah. till it is so i don't think until other states start leading on this stuff it, it's a it's a movement that needs to happen mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of great bills coming through on health care issues that could help lower costs. And, you know, sometimes the federal government doesn't do it for you, and you have to do it yourself. Look at marijuana. Mm-hmm. I mean, that those discussions are happening up there. Still can't get money to the banks and pay their taxes. And yep. I was like, nobody talks about 
the crime opportunities with big bulks of cash sitting in a place and oh, yeah. was interesting in the treasurer's race about the state run bank and mm-hmm. I haven't dug into that one no, I haven't interested that much, yeah. yeah but you know it's change happens and sometimes we have to take it upon ourselves to make these changes happen and I'm excited to be a part of it nice no my only question would be considering that the federal government hasn't done anything to allow for a better negotiation on prices on behalf of all healthcare providers for a lot of the drugs that are manufactured here tested here and then get exported to countries cheaper do you just see this bill as a band-aid and what what do you hope to get out of it long term i mean it was kind of what i said before it's we need to start pushing the envelope for transparency i i can't remember some of my research i think in 2017 they spent like 67 billion dollars on television advertising I don't know how much money they're spending on advertising to pharmacists and, and, and all that stuff. And that's what the trans, no, it's all proprietary. And when you talk to them, it's the other guy, his fault. And everybody does that. And until we start unfolding that knot, we, we don't know where, what's happening. So and this is how you do it. There's like starting, there's a lot of bills possibly coming for there's transparency in the hospital rates and stuff that are a recent study in the paper talked about some of the high prices that were done. It's like, yeah, with nobody being able to know and for healthcare for something, it's like, well, you know, you've got to go to the emergency room. Hold on. Let me pull up my cheapest hospital app and, and go there. It's nobody yeah. knows. Well, it was a nice step with Denver making it to where hospitals had to post prices of like, especially surgeries and big operations or whatever like that. It made it to where people could shop around a little bit at least. <laughs> It was interesting. I was doing some research last night, and uh, CMS.org, which is part of the Medicaid, Medicare thing, has a – I was doing a little research, and there's a website that they have passed some tracking because of some of the money that flows through to to doctors from the pharmaceutical industries and the reps that go sell and promote and have them go do speaking engagements or fly them out to do presentations. You know, there's an app, there's a website on the on, – I can't remember, but it's under Medicaid. It's CMS. But you can pull up your doctor, and based on the reporting, you can pull out all this data in a gigantic spreadsheet. But you can go look up a doctor, and it'll tell you how much money was spent on them from some of the different pharmaceutical industries, which was eye-opening for me. I was like, it's not as user-active as I would like it for me. I mean, there is the ability to pull a whole state's data in in a big data set, but I don't have time. And, I mean, theoretically, too, with these doctors, there's, like, oversight at the state and federal level looking at like how much they're prescribing of certain things right like depending on the drug i mean that is tracked i mean you know when you get into your schedule one drugs and opioids and stuff and and they have to track that stuff and enter in a database and you know everybody gets to look at it if you're uh, somebody that prescribes one of my last questions for this part is we we get say we get the cheaper drugs from canada how do we direct where they go and who gets them and how they're available to people well the plan is 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 this program would be administrated under HICPUF, which is the health care and policy financing department mm-hmm. who does a lot of the medicaid work for the state um they would take on this program okay and they there's different ways they could go about it the state could become its own wholesaler mm-hmm. or we could contract with a wholesaler and we get the prices from canada at the at the price up there we set the prices knowing that everybody has their processing fees to the pharmacist. But the plan is to get it out to anybody. That, so it's an opt-in program. Not, you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. If you want to get access to these drugs, then these pharmacists can, can opt into program. We wanted to make sure the smalls and the independents and rules got access to it like everybody else. The plan mm-hmm. is, you know, 
access to cheap cheap drugs. Is there any goal to maybe push towards like Medicaid people being able to have access to them more? Or? <laughs> I think at some point that could get rolled out. I mean, under current Medicaid, there's already discounting that's done, mm-hmm. and those savings. That's not something we're going to just jump into immediately. But evolution, and once you start untying all this, maybe those opportunities could happen. It, maybe before then, the federal government would make some changes that makes it good for all. So I don't know if this is accurate or not, but like, how much would this be benefiting insurance companies then, who would be able to maybe purchase drugs for cheaper from the pharmacies for their patients or well, something for their Not people. many do their own drugs. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe Kaiser has their internal pharmacists. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some clauses in the in the, in the the policy that gives the attorney general the ability to make sure they're not doing any of that mm-hmm. type of stuff. Is there a risk of maybe like uh, if I'm an insurer and I know I can get the drugs cheaper at a certain pharmacy that makes the deal with you guys, if I tell my people that purchase insurance through me, I have to go to those certain pharmacies, you can start to weed out a lot of those little guys like that if they don't have an opportunity. And some of that happens, in, and I don't know if Colorado has that state. A little bit of reading I was doing is there's these gag orders where mm-hmm. the pharmacist can't tell you if it's cheaper to buy mm-hmm. it directly versus your insurance plan. Okay. And maybe that's something we untie. I think a few states have it hoping to see prices come down the internal ones is like well how do we do it's like it's an opt-in if you want to get the drugs hopefully these savings will go on to people that's mm-hmm. the whole purpose of it it i think like anything in life there's some good players and bad players and mm-hmm. sometimes the bad ones tend to make things look worse across the board but i think everybody realizes you know if they don't do it their competitor might yeah. and cut the prices and everything will follow suit mm-hmm. all right you know i just wanted to see if there's any kind of plan or anything for that so it makes sense no, that's, you know, I'm in the job of trying to do good things. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not I, saying I don't know it's not what, a good I don't thing. Know, I don't like... know what will happen after <laughs> it happens. You know, everybody, fi- there's a lot of high-paid, brilliant people that figure out a way around something with loopholes and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, you go in and do it, and it's half the time we're looking at stuff and trying to fix them. So. National popular vote. Yeah, we just move into that one because that one actually passed the Senate here recently. No, uh, it didn't pass the Senate. I thought I saw it. I thought I saw something that said it did. It went. It passed through committee. Oh, maybe that's what it was. It's going to the floor then. Yeah. And it's sponsored by Senator Mike Foote. He's up from Lafayette, I believe it is. Yep. The bill would add Colorado as the 13th state to join the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. Uh, if enough states totaling 270 electoral votes sign on, it would go into effect. There's currently 12 states with 172 electoral votes that have already joined, and Colorado would add seven more. Do you support jumping on that? Um, You're going to be voting on it soon. It, it's, it's coming up this week. Um, I've done a lot of research on that bill, have a lot of concerns with it. It's got the ability to be here one year and gone the next, depending on how it works. You know, we're tying, all, we're linking a whole bunch of states together, and which even if we pass it, it's not, we're not, it hasn't, it isn't triggered yet. Well, I guess if, if we pass it, do we have to pass it each year until everybody does? No, or? it's passed. It doesn't go into effect until enough states that okay. equal 270 electoral votes. So once it. we pass it, we're on board until it passes. Unless another state opts out and you drop below. It's okay. one of my fears. Yeah. It's like, you know, this is a moving target. One state may not like it, drop out, and like, oh, we're going back to the old election. Mm-hmm. So that's so one of my concerns. I mean, Politics is about, a, with, if Colorado jumps on, there'll only be about 89 short. So it's not that many more. That's a lot of, that's a lot. I mean, it's a decent number, but it, I mean, they're most of the way there. They're the two thirds of the way, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, <laughs> they, they got a New York and California signed on and mm-hmm. California, I believe is 55 votes. You know, yeah. California drops out. This is in the hole. <laughs> would California drop out of something like this? No, I, I they, they, they have, no, they have large numbers. It, this would 
this would benefit them <laughs> greatly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would make them far more important than the Midwest. So, well, I, you know, that's subjective. I mean, it's the whole premise of one person, one vote. It's 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 a moving target. Doing this long enough, it if you have a close election, there's always going to be issues and questioning. What well, what has me leaning towards it, and at the end of the day, is like you know, I think about, and it's something I've always believed in, is like regardless of your your affiliation or your beliefs in is like I, if and it's my argument against it but you know if everybody votes i think the world would be a better place if everybody put it, everybody put in yeah. their opinion and most, this most might and i know and this might give an opportunity because if you think about the blue states which could be to the detriment of the democratic party or not you know nobody knows but if you think about california i'm not going to vote my vote will never count well under this it will yeah, it'll make a difference regardless. It'll make of where a difference. Live. Yeah, so people in red states, the more people that are Democrats vote, it will well, help the grand number. In the last twenty years, there's been two presidents. It's been uh, Bush v. Gore. Or, yeah, it's Bush v. Gore, mm-hmm. and then now Clinton v. Trump. And and you can make arguments on those that. And then there's always arguments. Three million people is hard to argue against. Yeah. but you know there, there was, was can, a, there was can, million, there, yeah. there's flaws that were done in the campaign, and then maybe we should have paid attention to a couple more a, a couple more states. Mm-hmm. There was three people in the race. Gore was what technically decided by the, S- the Supreme Court was deciding it, so it wasn't yeah. officially called. But there was a, an article that if Ralph Nader hadn't run, he would have won Florida. Yeah. And I mean, that's yeah, the yeah. thing about elections. And during my research, I found some article on a guy by the name of Air- some who got the Nobel laureate Arrow's theorem, who pretty much did mathematically prove that there's no such thing as a perfect election and it was oddly enough i found a youtube video with pokemon go characters explaining it with little <laughs> graphs but you know that's a story for a different time but, <laughs> but yeah you know it's you know and that's something i know it's like every time there's an election the strategy changes i came up with a theory as like say you have you know an article i read five people run mm-hmm. and the president can be chosen by 22 percent of people's vote and maybe yeah. one section of the country and then are we going to be mad and wanting to change the election again? Because that's you know, it, 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 there's always something. Strategy yeah, elections change. I mean, a straight popular change. vote is a little different than that, still. Like, because I mean, you're gonna. No, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't disagree, but you know, everything's changes. Is yeah. it, is, here we are looking at the national popular vote from the electoral. I college. mean, but you worry then, like, if we get a national popular vote, do people focus primarily on cities then? It's not necessarily state boundary. Like well, that. I mean, it's just population size. It changes the, the strategies effect. for it. I mean, you want more people, but it also broadens it up across the country too, because then you want to go get votes in the in the red states, and mm-hmm. maybe, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people not knowing how that's going to work yet until it it happens. You know, yeah. with the ability to the ability of some of the targeting with electronics and data and advertising, mm-hmm. it may just bring more money into elections, but you know. We already ha- we already have that problem. So sure. until we address that, yeah, I mean the the one other alternative I have here, and you were going down a rabbit hole with a couple other things too that could happen, but is the idea of congressional districts. Whoever wins the congressional district, that's where the vote goes, and then the two senators are the statewide electoral votes. So two states have congressional proportions. It's Maine, Maine, and Nebraska. Or Nebraska, listen, yeah. Nebraska and Maine have it. I haven't dug into theirs to look at how they allocate them. If it's mm-hmm. just a straight, if it's 30-40 or 30-70, do they allocate mm-hmm. it that way? Or do they do it by congressional districts? Because you, if you just did it based on congressional district votes, that brings in gerrymandering and all, mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. But if you just allocated them in general, and I, the reading I did is 
used to be, and it might have been the 1800s, that's how the states did their electoral colleges. They allocated them. And then states started going with the winner-take-all, mm-hmm. and they built up a whole bunch of power. So all the other states jumped in with the winner-take-all, <laughs> and here we are. Yeah, <laughs> and here we are. That's a fair point. Uh, it was. It's. I, there's been a lot of opinions on it, and everybody's like, "You just have to do this." And I was like, "You know, I don't know how this will play out. You know, as the politics change, how is the state of Colorado going to feel when they voted for a candidate and their votes flipped to somebody else? How do they feel about that? That you know, those are all discussions that I support it with the option of saying I told you so. Possibly, I don't know. I, I, don't know. I mean, there's no real, there's no real way to do it right, regardless. I mean, if you have top three in the rank choices there are strategies to beat that i mean there that's it's 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 hard and the bigger the demographics get the the more rural and the feelings what we have versus other parts of the country you know what's what's important to us versus what's important to california what's important to them it's interesting stuff says it's about 70 percent popular across the country it's marketed as bipartisan because it's been carried by republicans in other states but it's only passed in democratically heavy states oh, really? and yeah it's, all the states yeah. that have it currently are currently technically blue states we might be the okay. first leaning, really leaning blue i don't have the answer to that i don't no, i mean are we really like a purple you're saying leaning blue i feel like we're pretty much all the way blue now mm. i mean for the most part like <laughs> we'll see yeah. I mean, yeah well and that that actually leads me into one of my other questions i had for you is like what are you seeing from other legislators around that you like or dislike or what are some things like bills that you see that make you think that we are actually going towards that blue state? There's some exciting legislation coming. One of my campaign things, and the governor's doing it with universal pre-K. The, mm-hmm. the, the investment in our, in our kids has got a huge rate of return on it, and I know it's something, a big goal he had too, so I'm excited to see that coming. Some of the health care plans coming. Um, one of my things was rent control, dealing with affordable housing and other stuff like that, and my uh, other Denver senator, Senator Gonzalez, is carrying that bill, which I was excited about. I was like, you know, you come into office and you're like, I have all these bills. It's like, oh, me too. <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, you carry it. I was like, you know, if you need, I, I am a big supporter of it. And I was like, and, and you know, there's enough love to go around. I'm, I started with that bill, got to my five bills, had another bill on at six, and oh my god, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. It's like my first year, so I was like, you get overwhelming, huh? Well, it's just. Learning the process is what's been the most overwhelming. It's like if I had more time, but, you know, 120 days goes by very quickly. Yeah. And, you know, you got to get all this going. And learning how this bill goes, you know, I jumped in by fire. Some people was like, you know, you could take an, e- an easier bill and do something. I was like, did I know this was going to be this fight? No. Nah. But, you know, trial by fire, learn more, and hopefully this will strengthen me on my next bills. Well, you're doing a good job. We just you're doing you a <laughs> I believe you're going to carry a disparity bill, right? There is some look at a bill for a disparity study for the procurement office. It's been going through the legislature for a few years and not been passed. It's a bill regarding doing some research in our procurement program on African Americans, LGBT women. Are they, you know are they getting access to these contracts? So it's still early. It hasn't been formalized yet. People are still being talked to. So, well, uh, you're talking about minorities getting contracts and i want to talk about the trammel crow have you heard about this one with the, the convention, center? convention center they got the contract there they also had a 16th street mall contract which i think even the city council was unaware of it's all sort of falling apart there was collusion and it's 
There was no collusion. There was no collusion? I don't know. I'm just kidding. Sorry. Screaming like Trump over here. Politician training. <laughs> it's, Sunday, it's Sunday. I watched the news this morning. I'm not go. saying it. Other people are saying it. <laughs> but, yeah, so there was some collusion between the contractor and the bids to build the places and stuff. Because because this keeps happening with all these big contractors and construction companies, what are we looking at to try and boost maybe minorities jumping into this, trying to get local people, trying to make it to where we're not giving everything to the same big companies that are robbing the city? Well, and I'm or not the state, I'm know. not overly dug into the city, but I mean I I believe there is some disparity studies and some work being done at this at the city level. Mm-hmm. I think they have some work on that, but I mean when you get into I, and I haven't dug into this in depth other than what I read in the paper. Um, you know, those are gigantic contracts. And I'm yeah. sure they farm it out to some minority businesses in the smaller pieces. And, mm-hmm. you know, the bandwidth to carry a project of like of such as the convention center. I mean, I, think I never understood why they didn't get the floors to line up. But, but you know, <laughs> here we are. Oh, I always wanted to know why the bear was blue. Because apparently that was an accident. So I'm just... Maybe it's... Maybe, <laughs> it's, it's, maybe it's, you know, something to match with Lucifer. <laughs> Lucifer. <laughs> worst, worst yeah, of all know. time. <laughs> I guess I, I don't know. I just I hadn't really heard much about it, and, and I'm reading all this stuff about these big companies that are taking contracts from the city and then spinning them into other projects and stuff that even the city council isn't voting on to have them do, and they're working on it and making money that way and stepping into other places. And I mean, because the people who did the Colorado Convention Center, the Trammell Crow people, they also have the 16th Street Mall renovation project, which is another one coming up for 130 million dollars, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's understood that the city council was like, we don't know how they got that, and they don't know if it's real or not. Yeah, I, I almost feel like going to my canned uh, political person response. is like, you know, I'm going to let the whole thing <laughs> play out and see where it lands Fair and enough. get some hearings, is like, not not knowing. I have read about it. It, it is concerning. Mm-hmm. Surprised. I guess yeah, Maybe, you Maybe they got caught, and, yeah, it's yeah. opening a light to something, and... Does that happen? I I try not to go down the rabbit holes of every conspiracy theory I mm. I come up with because you know then we'll start talking about the moon landing and you know there's just so many other things. The flag uh, waved. <laughs> yeah, don't get in trouble, like Steph Curry on here. Yeah, <laughs> would you like to say the Earth is flat? <laughs> oh, as far oh, as I can see, as far as you can see, <laughs> I've been in a plane. I saw the curve. <laughs> That's right. I see the maps with the curved lines right. on, the, on the fat globe. Oh. Um, so. And I'm sure there's people that still think that. I'm sure there are, honestly. Yeah. UFO commission. You know, there's lots of interesting <laughs> stuff to talk about. I believe there was once a bill concerning a UFO in like 2011. There is UFO commissions that want to do research. And if you go out to the rules and you'll get people that will tell you, hey, people thought the – who thought – what do you mean the world is round? I mean, th- things happen. You know, nobody knows. I don't try to assume I know So everything. you're saying they're among us? I don't know. Oh. I'm not saying I, I hate to dispel anything, but you know I look yeah. at I do believe in science. But I tell people it's like to say that there aren't aliens is ridiculous because there has to be some other form of life in the universe. Whether or not they can reach us, I don't know. Don't you know we're you know maga dude? We're the, maga. how can anybody else? We're, it's just us in this mass. It's that, just us in this mass universe. <laughs> I just I don't believe. I choose not to believe that. I I, I don't. I'm I not like saying I disagree. With you. I'm just having fun. So I don't take are. me seriously. So do you seriously? Think don't ever take me seriously. Having a major- don't ever take me seriously. A Democratic majority in the governor's house, the house and the senate is going to be good for Colorado. Well, I'd like to years. say yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, elections have consequences. I think trying to do a lot of things and, and seeing like Senator Irene's bill 
get killed and things that 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 could that were it was good legislation die without that and i'm sure on their side they're probably saying the same stuff you know if they had a trifecta they'd be like now we can do all the stuff we want i mean <laughs> trump had a trifecta for two years and Still we got wall, tax then. cuts, but I'm sure the people on his side are very happy about it. Yeah, oh, they definitely yeah. are. Yeah. So what good things should we actually expect from a Democratic House and a Democratic governor and a Democratic Senate here? I um, think, I mean, I, at least mine, I mean, not talking to the House and stuff. I mean, and stuff I ran on is like, you know, apprenticeships and trades, wage disparity, trying to get people to understand Tabor and, and the problems we, that come with it. Not going down that rabbit hole because you said my favorite word go, though. Oh, yeah, well, Tabor. I will put you and Senator Court together, and you guys can and <laughs> you guys have all the conversations. all the conversations. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's every time you talk, so why can't we? And, and new people are moving here, mm-hmm. and it wasn't thing we talked about multiple years ago. But nope. you know, you talk to them, like, well, why don't we just raise this? It's like we can't. Like, and it was like, well, what, what do we do? Yeah. Like, do? Tabor. Well, that just doesn't seem right. I was like. That's my t- take on it, but there's <laughs> other sides that say, no, it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I'm not saying I'm opposed to asking for taxes, but short of marijuana and cigarettes, we haven't raised taxes on anything. We couldn't raise taxes on for teachers, mm-hmm. and we couldn't raise well, taxes to fix roads. I think you're saying we the voters even, didn't raise taxes. We couldn't even taxes. not raise taxes to fix roads. That's true. You couldn't. <laughs> and now they're talking about we need to fix roads. I was like, well, according to the voters said, we don't need to fix roads. I, I, you know, and what do you do with that? Yeah. No, it's fair. For me, um, this who knows who's listening to this and I'm going to get tagged in the hallway tomorrow going into the Capitol. <laughs> it doesn't air until Friday. So <laughs> That's the fine. point of this thing. Oh, okay. So it's Friday. We're good. You got at least one more week before this goes out, so right. you're, you're safe yeah. for a little bit. Uh, all right. <laughs> you know, it's okay. okay. Well, you I won't ask you too many we'll questions about with the national popular vote possibly. Yeah. Well, it's still got to go to the House. So. Yeah. so, yeah. But at that point, we'll know what happened in the Senate at least. So Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. anything that you disagree with the governor on? Because, you know, I disagree with something <laughs> the governor. Let's go ahead and take steps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we might, we, I don't, I'm not knowing what the governor I mean, it's interesting when you run for office, and I, I'm very conscious of this. It's like, you know, we're a very big state. We have a lot of different issues. Mm-hmm. Walking for other candidates for the general and, you know, the big fight over 112 and the fracking and oil and and knowing people that work in that industry, you know, it, it's not easy. Um, I, I walked in Greeley for one of the candidates and – Every, was that Rochelle? Rochelle Galindo. Um, yeah, and, you know, yeah, and, and you know, you, yeah, I walked Rochelle. through single-family houses similar to this, mm-hmm. and these guys all have oil equipment there, and they like, all know 112, and, you know, this is mm-hmm. – your work is bad. You don't deserve to be in this house. It's like, how do you say that to somebody that yeah. has a family yeah. and kids? It's like, it's, it goes deeper than that. I mean, and, I, and we have to address it, but I am cognizant of this is the identity politics of that. I mean – well, it's, you're speaking about the oil company and stuff like that, so I want to go to one of Polis's policies he brought up in his State of the State, mm-hmm. which is the um, changing to 100% renewable energy. Mm-hmm. You bring up these people ridiculous. that work. Well, I mean, he said 2040. It's a little wise off. He got time. But the point is... If, the, you, if you don't have big goals, how do you get to anything? Exactly. But the point is, like, I want to get to... Is there anything happening? On, I want world peace. <laughs> but if I could just keep everything cool in Colorado, it's a start. You know, It's a good place to start. <laughs> but is anything happening on bringing jobs or retraining or education or finding a way to support those oil and gas workers that gave us the energy for so long as we switch to that 100% renewable green economy. I think that is... Do you see anything happening yet? Well, you know, I have five bills. It's been two weeks. There's five to 700 bills coming through. I haven't seen every one of them. So 
I don't know. I'd like it's to think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm interested. That is something I want to work on is apprenticeships and trades. We've come a long way to where we've devalued that industry, mm-hmm. and and it's it's a sad thing to see because somebody who went to college and gets a well-paying job is like, do you work harder than somebody who does it and builds a house or, or does something with their hands? And, I, and we've that stigma has become, oh, you're one of those. And it's like, that's not the way it needs to be. And hopefully we're seeing a transition with the shortages of it because, you know, not everybody goes to college. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to live a quality of life. Well, and the achievement gap in the city and state in general oh, causes it to where a lot of people tremendous. can't go to college. And that's true. And you know what? And that's why I look at apprenticeships. Younger people, if we can get them early in their career to learn a trade, they can make enough money to go to college. You can't export a plumber. You know, they'll give you, you money, they'll loan you money to go to college. Yeah. And then you come out and then they'll pay you $18 an hour and say, oh, pay back your loan, live here. And yeah, it, yeah, it's, mm. it's, it's a vicious cycle we've gotten into. Yeah, but I would also ask the question of, who actually gets slated to go into apprenticeships and gets discouraged ultimately from going to college um, and doing things that are career paths that we are, one, sustainable, two, that we need, usually that's when you send the brown people. You're like, hey, you're not qualified to go to this school. I don't school, think anybody should not be disqualified to go. I think giving them the ability to go without debt would be a huge thing. But why know, nobody, has to stay, nobody has to stay in a career their whole life. Yes, that's true, but we also aren't doing the things that we need to encourage people that are in circumstances that are less adequate to go to a four-year institution and be the doctor, be the lawyer, be the other things, because they're automatically going to get sidetracked into that because they are less well Well, Well, this might hurt hurt Saeed. Do you think we have too many lawyers? Should we put caps (laughs) on lawyers? Well, do we I'm, have enough? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Like, there's a lot of lawyers out there and stuff like that. But I mean, but we have a shortage of doctors, nurses, yeah. PAs. We have, a, we have a shortage of home builders yep. and uh, electricians. And you can a guy who climbs the flagpole to do the, elect- the electrical poles can, are making six figure incomes. I think is the, that is the that point a bad of, job. The point of what you're going for though is like giving the wide range of options. Then, right? Yeah. I I just think that, uh, like what else are we doing to everybody? fund maybe higher education so people who can't afford to go who want to go. Should get to go. Well, Denver, Denver just passed a, a scholarship initiative to get some things. It's not the answer to everything. I think community colleges need to do more. It gets back to the whole thing: is like, is a doc, you know, is a doctor more important than of a, a carpenter? I mean, if the carpenter falls, yes. Uh, <laughs> right? What is that carpenter doc- falls? And the doctor needs a house. And to and live a doctor in, right? needs a house to put his fourth car in. Yeah. Who's going to put that up? Hey, I'm <laughs> not saying that we don't need carpenters. My thing is. We also have a shortage of things that require college degrees and, you know, more education. And really, do we? Because those are the industries in the workplace that are not lacking with people to do it. And that, and there's but I think his complaint may be more that they're not lacking because they bring them from out of state, yeah, instead of fostering them here first. Well, that's an issue Colorado's had forever. I was a young kid. We've always lowly funded education with 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 Tabor and the stuff that's happened. Is we've always and it's always the mindset was people will move here and i don't understand smart people moving here and putting their kids in a lower education system but yeah here we are the private schools probably is where it fills private that gap schools, you know it then yeah i mean no you yeah know, charter schools now charter schools so great schools, yeah and so that which studies are showing people, those yeah. aren't working for poor communities well huh they work for the richer communities well, they were they? probably working before for richer communities because there's a whole argument of that and yeah. the investment and you know putting importance into an education that might yeah. get lacking so then and that's can i just point this out though there's a school which i 
have now learned to absolutely just despise in my parents' neighborhood. It's called Slavens. And when it first opened about 20 years ago, I think it wasn't open for me to go to elementary school there. I think the actual, it's like the houses are, the houses are worth between 500 and a million plus dollars. It's an average size house now in Colorado. But it's a public school, so we can't. We can't. Oh God, you want to get into the definition of public schools? Don't start that. <laughs> it's it's a public school, so like we can't despise. Like we can't say all public schools are are you know for kids who are from the ghetto. No, I I think mm-hmm. that going back to the traditional neighborhood schools instead of give. I mean, the choice thing is fine, but choice is a privilege. Yes. Not everybody can get their kids to their side of town. Transportation is a huge part of that. That's, yeah. Yeah, people, I have a lot of friends that have one car, and they have two jobs. How do you get your kid to oh, – yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, that's real, and that's the stuff we can't solve. Yep. It's like, why shouldn't we just put a good school over here? <laughs> um, <laughs> is, Again, education administration. Like, there are ways that you can make a school good in a poor area oh, that yeah, people don't even want to try to improve, and it kind of drives me crazy. Because, yes, you could have a good school somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. My parents went to Kennedy and um, George. Guess what? They were the good schools at the point in time, yeah, they and they lived in black communities. Mm-hmm. Why is it now that when you want to go to a school, neighborhood school like East? Well, because the charter schools are taking all the funding out. That's the point. No, we're talking about. East is still a highly rated school. East and is you a very are, highly rated. School. And you are pushing more and more black people out of that school. It has had more a tier system since two thousand five, where you have people who are in regular classes, which are black and brown. You have people in X classes who are white, and then you have people in AP classes who are white. You can have good or schools. You just Academy. need to stop favoring one population. And that's what we keep doing. We give the best, most experienced teachers to more affluent school districts. That's a to more affluent schools. That's a nice mic. Don't drop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Uh, no, that was perfect. Yeah, no, that was perfect. <laughs> Sometimes I want to be Kanye. And other times I just remember went crazy. No, no, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be Kanye post Bush before Obama. A little bit of Tay Tay, you know. Just, just be. I just want. You have a fair point, though. Yeah, you do, and that is a deeper, that is a deeper fight. I mean, that's always been a struggle that. Colorado's had is funding of schools and I mean and we're one of the lowest in the nation and bottom two or three and, and yeah. you probably could go back and this isn't something that this was probably this way before Tabor I, I honestly don't know I yeah. think it no. well, well yeah, was, did you, did you Tabor's like 20 years aren't you part of gentrification no. uh, that's what they tell me but I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> that's I was true like, I gotta be rich to be gentrifying right like do you? The three of us. Mm. I don't just, know, man. You just need to be able to get your kids. There's a sad part, though. I'm like kind of pro gentrification because <laughs> I got a really <laughs> nice yoga studio now. He does. And, yeah, um, really you know, when I when I was growing up, this was a food desert. And now I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh, we got grocery stores. It has to be cognizant of the mix that you need to keep in the communities, really, when you get to it. It's like just not pushing it. I mean, and it's it's a hard argument because I was like, they used to say, don't change the north side. I was like, well, the north side is like, well, it's all, you know, it was a primary Latino name. like, before that, it was Italian. Yeah. Um, Globeville Swantio, same thing. And, yeah. you know, and it, it's, it, it happens. And and people buy their houses, invest, and that's their retirement. And they sell it and mm-hmm. to to move on. And that's their nest egg. And what do you tell? Don't do it. Yeah. yeah. Don't tell really that to my mom. It's really the that suffer the most from that. Because then prices go up and they can't afford to rent. they got to find different places. They still got bus stops. They still got bus stops. And we can also do better about protecting renters and... You know, if my bill to end poverty was just going to be worded simply, just do better. Um, 
and you know, if we that, could, that's if why we you could, if, if that's we why you're the elected why official. Why <laughs> if, if we could if we could figure that out, a lot of these bills wouldn't be. Why needed. is the common misconception that people just need to do better when it's the society itself that puts them in the situation? I mean, millennials struggle with it the most with student debt and the inability to get good good paying jobs. With put I kids mean, there's a lot of arguments. You, like, you talk to the, have you talked to the seniors of the struggles they had when they were kids? Because some of the triggers are brewing. College I mean, the wasn't ones that, college the ones wasn't telling us they worked over the summer to pay for their college. And you, you, or how about that, the ones like, that college wasn't an option? That's very I mean, true. There's still there's more people now that college really isn't an option because not as it. many as there is now. You either go you either go into extreme if you were, debt or if you, you were go. black or brown college they, you so were true. deterred away from you know. Yeah. You need oh, to you mean like our state like institutions 60s, 70s, now? Yeah, because we still do. That. Well, and, well, 80s, 90s, 2000s today. I, I think actually in the Vietnam Vietnam War, uh, I think most of the people who were killed were. My father was born with nine. His access to college was the military. Exactly, but the, most of the people who were killed over there were. Either poor or brown or black. Yeah. Well, and recently the military dropped the ball with that with the GI Bill stuff. They have failure to pay and all that. Yeah. yeah. Failure to pay on a lot of stuff. Well, mm-hmm. we we love the military. We love our boys in blue. I I was raised. My father was a vet. I'm very supportive of the military. These mm-hmm. people's sacrifices. I've never seen a tighter knit group of, of people, whether they're Republican I grew up in the or brown. Man, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking uh, yeah, about. Yeah. And I've got to tour the veterans courts with people that treat them that are veterans, and it's. There's nobody that, if somebody's in need, they'll step up regardless. Mm-hmm. If you know, and it, it's it's just something that I've learned. What was to that appreciate. one with uh, Colin Powell was broke down the road and some soldier that lost his leg in the war stopped and helped him change his tire or something like that? Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, he was like, "You're Colin Powell," <laughs> <laughs> but they, they were talking about the unity between soldiers, just like you're talking about. Like, no matter who you are, if you're a soldier, they're they're going to be there for you. I mean, I wish we could do that with people, right? Just be like, <laughs> hey, we're all people. Well, I think there's, I, there's, <laughs> who you are, I'm going to be there's, here for you. some people. I yeah. mean, it, it's, you know, and it's real easy for us to sit there and sit on our righteous horse and call everybody bad, but that's there are good people out there. I mean, yeah. yeah. And everybody wants to, everybody wants to get to get to the same thing. It's just how you get there. Is I, where I, I don't need good people, though. I'm, I'm Like, there are good people <laughs> out there. I don't even need good people. I just need, like, moderately considerate people. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit, right? You know, I need the guy who's going to be like... Problems, <laughs> are you having problems at the yoga studio? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just... Uh, I'm just having... I'm having trouble with Stapleton, you know, the, the racist thing over there where uh, moderately yeah. decent people went, lived in that area. They'd be like, yeah, let's change the name this clan member bad <laughs> it's not wrong no, yeah yeah no, you know i want moderately decent to where i'm just like yell that honk on the horn mm-hmm. you know may- maybe chill once <laughs> you might be that and there's probably somebody saying they don't care enough you know it, yeah. it's the, the the degrees oh i think that's all i have for today you've been a wonderful guest but uh, thanks we, we appreciate, appreciate you having uh yeah i was expecting eris to you know Get, up, get on me hard. <laughs> Appreciate that, man. <laughs> if I don't do it, nobody else will. <laughs> so also, you, had all, you had it answered. You're good. Okay. And that about wraps up everything here. We're going to go ahead and move into final thoughts. Eris, you said you want to start? Yeah, no. Um, I would like to start this one with a happy fuck you to Lori Zane. For those of you who don't know, she actually got to be on the state floor on, on the lead up to Martin Luther King Day to introduce a joint resolution and in that speech he talked about how lynchings occurred in the south during reconstruction and that they were equal on both sides and it happened because they were republicans first off that's a misleading thing that she needs to uh, either be a testament to her public school system or should go back and visit 
um, or crack a history book because everybody knows that lynchings happened in the South during Reconstruction because of the people's color of their skin and because the white people in charge wanted to show their dominance and maintain the status quo. Fuck you, you racist piece of crap. Do not bring another form of Popeyes or any other fried chicken into the state house as a sign of protest because you ain't down with black people. You ain't even down with OPP. So fuck you. Wow. <laughs> My final thought. Wow. <laughs> it was powerful. Katya, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, that like, blew away my final thought. <laughs> Senator Baumgartner, see ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Damn. My final thought is I, I think it's hilarious how Michael Bennett has been in the Senate for 10 years. And now that he's thinking about running for president, all of a sudden we see some theatrics and some life from him on the Senate floor. Where has that been the whole time? So just kind of curious. That's my final thought for the week. Rob, you want to tell us anything? Close it out here? I'm still like, wow. <laughs> see, see you dropping the mic all night. Like, <laughs> y'all. Y'all. <laughs> oh. Nope, no. I have no final oh, thoughts on the ground. Can we get up in here? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it right. Let's start a conversation. Well, yeah, Lori, I got Popeyes. <laughs> she did actually bring Popeyes chicken to the Capitol. That, that yeah, so she did it to a committee meeting as a form of protest against black people getting snapped, getting their food assistance. Food assistance. Yeah. Didn't she get arrested for taking a gun in the airport? Yes, yeah, she, she did. did. <laughs> <laughs> so not only is she racist, she's also hillbilly. <laughs> Or dumb. Anyway, that's dumb. That's just dumb. Why just can't dumb. we just go with dumb? Just dumb? You just can't see how bright my eyes just got right there. <laughs> now, again, my eyes are wide open. So no, no final thought. No, like, hey, no, sir. No, I want the car seat. You don't have to say anything, Rob. Wow. Wow. <laughs> we'll be vlogging with Senator Rodriguez next time. Yeah. Vlogging? What's that? Vlogging. That's a you video have log. It, you have it on your newsletter. It's like a blog, oh, but with videos. Video. Yeah. A documentary. Go to his website, robertforcolorado.com. Is that four F-O-R or number four? Hmm? Hold on. My Facebook post <clears throat> is misspelled. What? I was trying to get you donations, <laughs> but... I'm sorry. Say it again. Senate District 32. Robert for Colorado. Is it F-O-R. F-O-R. Okay. That's Robert for Colorado. That's F-O-R. Well, it's com. Robert F O R Colorado dot com. He has a pretty sweet vlog there. Oh, it, Is that where it's going it's, on? It's getting updated. Updating. Stuff. He'll be on Netflix soon, and <laughs> as, long as, might, I ha- as long as I have Daniel, like, <laughs> he might be insta famous. Insta famous. Oh. I don't see that coming. So that's all we have from Politically Pissed. We hope you enjoyed your time with us, and have a wonderful day. Say goodbye. Y'all. God bless us, everyone. Easy, y'all. Peace.
system Yeah, fuck them when we say we're not with them We're solid and we don't need to kick them This is no South, East and Western Yeah, guns, blows, doors to the system Yeah, fuck them when we say we're not with them We're solid and we don't need to kick them This is no South, East and Western